You're listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached during the online worship service of Central United Methodist Church. We are located in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to join us for our live worship experience through Facebook or Zoom every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Visit www.cumcballston.org for details. There you can also learn more about our congregation where we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Our scripture today is from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 20. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you'll be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias? He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Come in and lay his hands upon him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument who I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim to Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. The Word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. This story, this story of Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus, is a complex story. Not about Paul's conversion. Just some quick notes about that. What we have in this story is the only first-person healing story in the New Testament. We have a lot of stories about people being healed, particularly by Jesus Christ. Some people being healed by Paul and by Peter. But this is the one where we get a first person telling us about that story. And we have that story repeated here in Luke, as Luke reports it in Acts chapter 9, but again by Paul, twice more in Acts, as he talks to people and converts people. He tells the story on himself. Now, these different tellings, there are some differences. Some people have made a point of saying that these differences in the stories, and they principally turn on what was heard and what was seen and who saw what, who heard what. Some people point to this and say, ah, it's how the scripture conflicts with itself. I find that very comforting. You see, I learned in my law enforcement days that whenever something happened and you had witnesses, they might agree on the main story. But on the details, there would be differences. That was a way of telling that you were getting the right story. If everybody's story was exactly the same, you could be suspicious. This story has some differences in how it's told through Acts. But that, for me, is convincing. It's a complex story, but not about Paul's conversion. It's a complex story about Paul being healed being healed by Ananias. It's a before and after story. It's about not just a change of life that Paul has, or even a change in calling. He goes from one extreme to another. But it's a change that happens through risking compassion. It's a story of two people. Paul going from strength to weakness. And Ananias having to go from weakness to strength. First Paul. Now there's no question that he begins his story as the strong man. Matter of fact, he begins his story named Saul, which conjures up the pictures of another Saul, a strong man, a King Saul. And he's very sure about his mission. Given the warrants from the high priests, he's off on his mission to stamp out this this new religion, this new variation on Judaism, this, this um, Christianity, although it doesn't yet have that name. Instead, at this time, it's called the way. He's very sure that this way is blasphemous, is wrong, and he is going to fix it. He's already been part of, of one execution. He was a witness to Stephen's being killed, Stephen being the first the first martyr in the Christian faith, stoned to death for his testimony before the high priests. So now he's off to Damascus with a warrant to bring back in chains and bound those who are following the way. We're told in the story that he has companions with him. That's a nice word. He has thugs with him. 
These are part of the temple police, and they are going to enforce his power. He's very accomplished at what he does. It's interesting. In our Unraveled series, we've now had two other stories of those in power who are unraveled. We've heard the story of the tax collector uh, who is turned around by Jesus. We've had the story of Pharaoh. And now we have another powerful person. And he comes now as an agent, not of an imperial power, but rather of the religious powers. As for Ananias, he has no power. Indeed, he's, he's sitting there ready to be a victim. He's one of the followers of the way that Paul, Saul, is coming to bind and punish. But where Saul, Paul, is struck down, Ananias is raised up both by the actions of God, both unasked for and unlooked for, these actions. And the two then share the experience. They share a life experience. There's irony in Paul's blindness. Yes, he is struck blind and is kept blind by God for three days. But in a sense, he was blind before then as well. He was so blind that when Jesus first appears to him in that burst of light, Paul says, Lord, who are you? Paul is blinded before and after. And there's an irony in Ananias' fear and powerlessness or his feeling afraid. He's ordained by God. Now when the Lord comes to him, Ananias knows who that is. And he is fearful. He's told to go to this one whose reputation has preceded him. Lord, am I to go to the man who would bind me, punish me? Is that really what you want? Do you really want me to give myself up to law enforcement? Do you really want me to risk my life in front of those who have the power to kill? And wonderfully, we find out that Ananias says yes to God, that he goes to the powers, to the dominions, to the fearful Saul, Paul. And we find out later when Paul recounts his story further on in Acts, that it is Ananias that gives Paul his commission. We find out from Paul he owes to Ananias the statement that he is to go and teach and proclaim Jesus to the world and to the Gentiles. These two, so different, brought together by God's actions. And they're brought together because Ananias has compassion for Paul. And they're brought together because Paul is helpless. He has no power, no strength. Ananias and Paul became brothers in Christ through this shared experience of being sent, sent by God, down paths that at the moment they had no idea where they would go. Today, we, all of us, have a shared experience. Indeed, one we share with each other as a community, as a nation, as a world. I'm talking, of course, about the COVID pandemic. I think 
in its own terrible way, this pandemic can be a great teaching, can be a way of getting knocked off of our horses, maybe being blinded, maybe being healed. Just looking at our nation, we as a people are split in so many different ways. We're divided as to those things that directly harm us, like, for example, the fires in California, the weather conditions in our southern states. We here in, in the uh, northern Virginia are immune to both of those. We can have compassion for those people, but we haven't got that suffering. We're divided by things that should unite us. A racial history that instead of leading us to compassion as a nation, leading us into violence. A violence that's lasted for over 200 years. A violence who time and again has been brought to our attention. Our attention is white people, as I'm standing here, that. We have to be reminded. And there's violence. And we're divided in our politics. Lord knows that in this election year, but even without the election, great divisiveness, great insult, great, in, um, great anger. We start by being divided in our attitudes to a policy, but now it has moved into an attitude towards each other as persons. We find our arguments are arguments of adjectives instead of firm policy or decisions or, or actions that we may disagree on respectfully. And now it's shifting into a fear of actual physical violence. We've seen some of that in the news. We're divided in so many ways. But we all have one thing in common beyond, of course, our humanity. We have one thing in common because of our humanity, and that is the vulnerability to a disease that can be very, very bad, very disruptive, and even very deadly. We are all susceptible. And in this time and in this place, we can as Christians be both Paul and Ananias. We're like Paul when we admit to our blindnesses, when we admit that maybe we're some of the cause of the divisiveness we see in here, we're like Paul because we are in our weakness. We are susceptible. We're susceptible to being very, very sick. And we can be like Ananias, willing to use our strength, willing to use our compassion, being able to use our life to heal and support others. And now, faced with the divisiveness, we all, we all need that help the help that comes from each other. Christianity, following Christ, hearing the words, following the footsteps of Jesus, means being in relationship. And that relationship means being in relationship with each other. Just as Paul and Ananias were. They were compelled. We, if we open our hearts and listen to Jesus, might feel that same compulsion into compassion.
And it doesn't matter when we're called or how we're called. Paul was called very suddenly. Um, Many of us are not. The call to follow Christ can be very gentle. And indeed, don't think for a moment that that to be a, a real Christian, you have to be knocked off your horse by God in a blaze of light. No. For most of us, that conversion is soft and gentle and patient because our God is patient. So it doesn't matter when we're called and it doesn't matter how we've been called to follow Christ. What matters is realizing that we are called. To realize that we are called and to understand why we're called. We are called to love one another. We're called to compassion. A meditation. Who has acted in your life to show you your path? And how did they do it? Who was Ananias to your Paul? Second meditation. And when or how can you be the Ananias to another Paul? I want to end with a short psalm. It's Psalm 122. It's in the Methodist hymnal. For those of you who have that, it's at um, 845. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet were standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city and is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to give thanks to the name of the Lord as was decreed for Israel. Thrones for judgment were set there, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for peace, for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For the sake of my relatives and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Those last lines, when you say them, When you read them, when you hear them, think of peace within you, peace to your enemy, peace to those who are doing those things against you. Yes, as Christians, we are bound to say, peace be within you, my enemy. And for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek my enemy's good. Let us go in compassion to seek the good, to be the Ananias who went to the man he thought was his enemy and healed him of his blindness. Amen.